1: we talked off air before we did the podcast. Uh, It was a really enlightening conversation, Ranga. So one, thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you for setting this up.
1: Yeah. And two, I was really interested in especially kind of the cultural aspect of psychedelics. And you were talking about it from the male perspective uh, in India versus uh, a guess I had who was talking about it from the female perspective and psychedelic use and stuff. So let's dive in there, you know.
0: Yes, I did see that um, we were talking about the podcast that you did with the girl and uh, Randall had contacted me about this because you were interested in BIPOC, right? Mm-hmm. And it's uh, definitely true what I perceived as I've added a bit easier because of how the society is in India is kind of patriarchal right and uh, you don't have that much uh, fighting back so I definitely feel uh, there was resistance because it's still like a major trajectory change given what I was supposed to do right and I dropped all of those like I just don't want to do all these things for example try to get into a job that is good being and try to think about how you can settle down and you know try to get the house get married and so on and on there is this list of steps that were given but uh, as i said it's been three years of me trying to change the way of my life and now i feel it's much smoother so i really don't know how much of the barriers i uh, fought initially but definitely there uh, it is better for me compared to at least compared to my partner right yeah yeah so
1: what was the conflict in a sense so I think it's good to give some background because you're going to have listeners who are like I don't really know this culture I don't understand the patriarchal aspect of it uh, for that I think it'd be good to give people some back like deeper background about that and why that is so difficult to overcome so
0: the patriarchal concept that Certain things I have observed back home is the part where um, because men are bringing in money, at least they were, you know, until one generation back, so they get to have the final say in things, right? And these are some of the things that I perceived growing up. It doesn't necessarily need to be true or in effect currently, but what I perceived is uh, it gets you this, oh, I am doing this sort of thing. So I get to decide, like, if I'm not okay with it, then maybe you should reconsider. But if you're not okay with it, then you should still reconsider, you know, (laughs) from talking with my counterpart. And uh, one of the examples that I have noticed, like, let's say, let's take a topic of marriage, right? Uh, Women take up the last name of man, right? And uh, in Indian traditions that I have seen in marriages, there is this uh, ritual they do where the man walks up the marriage hall and leaves. So it's a very accepted culture that is part of marriages where he says, I'm going to be a sannyasi or a nomad, or I'm just giving up and going. And the girl's father has to uh, kind of beg to make him stay. Oh, please take my daughter. Oh. Right. And then there is this whole aspect of dowry concept. Like the first time I heard that my parents were involved in a dowry system, it was just heartbreaking, right? And that's, but that was the truth of those times. It's, and and I feel like marriage was one of those sales transactions where it's such a stupid sales transaction. You know, you go to a shop, you pay money, you get the product. I understand, uh, but in <laughs> marriage, you get the product as well as you get some money, like the subsidy from the female's <laughs> house to take care of them, just so you don't. So it's more so that we'll give you money so that you treat our daughter who is coming into your house in a proper way. Right. Things, things like this, it, it took me time to understand that I, I knew I didn't want to do it, but I didn't have the confidence to say no to these aspects. Right. So after my psychedelics, the, I became confident in speaking what I was truly feeling. Like it seemed so absurd and stupid to me to do these things. And, Yeah, the more I convey this to people, I feel like it's just people are, we are not confident enough to say what we feel. And the more we keep saying, right? uh, It's just people need to know. People need to have the chance to hear those things and give them space and time to understand. Yeah, it doesn't have to always be, you know, done in a compulsive way. It can also be done in other ways.
1: Yeah, I mean, thank you for providing that. I think it was very helpful. I I like having context. I think yeah. for the listener, they're like, okay, I understand the foundation of this. So you mentioned psychedelics. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. How did you, you told me before off air a little bit about this, but I think it'd be good to talk about it again is yeah. how did psychedelics transform your ideas about the culture back home and how you wanted to live your life?
0: Yes. My first psychedelic trip, I would say was five years back in 2017 kind of. And the I would say the problem with that particular trip was that I wasn't aware of what these psychedelics were. So the, my friend who gave me this, he said, it's a laughing drug. So <laughs> it, it did end up having that effect. So I just laughed for three hours on two grams of shrooms, right? And I have no idea what kind of healing capacities they have and what medicine they are. And it's a state of such beautiful innocent happiness which is not tied to things but since you don't know you can take back something from this experience right so i completely forgot what it was <laughs> and then my breakthrough kind of happened with uh, lsd uh, 150 mcg and this was in 2018 or 2019 right and uh, so the my that was that i would consider my breakthrough the first trip that made me think whoa, <laughs> yeah. I was having a hard time to breathe, right? Um, for example, I later found out a few years uh, later, like last year I found out that asthma was one of uh, a psychosomatic illness, right? Similar to that, even if I didn't have asthma, I had this burden of having to breathe in and breathe out. I mean, I wasn't consciously breathing, but still it felt heavy. And I think on that day of my first LSD trip, I just felt like, whoa, so beautiful to breathe. It's nice. And I was just standing in the balcony and I was just seeing this tree and I was admiring its beauty, right? And the insights that first came to me was um, I was carrying this baggage, right? Most of the times I didn't have problems apart from baggage that I carried. It was clear, but to instill that in my life was the integration work, which is an everyday thing for the rest of the life. But the initial big insight that you get that, whoa, so it's it's my responsibility, right? It, It could be anyone's blame but it's our responsibility to fix it. So blame is, I believe, of the past. It doesn't matter who who we point fingers to. It doesn't solve anything. But taking a responsibility comes in the present moment, right? So all these ideas of present moment awareness kind of came as an experience, but I neither had the vocabulary, nor the confidence, nor any of the things that I have right now to integrate it or convey it to people. So this is what I saw, it's magical, it's mystical, right? And after that experience, again, I, w- I went back to my old habitual pattern, but there was a slight change. I knew I was going to try again with this intent. So it wasn't just a drug I was going to take to, let's say, listen music or that was part of it. Music has always been part of my psychic yeah. experiences, but it's more so with respect to I I needed help. And this is the thing that's helping me. Right. It was more uh, as a sign of respect towards the drug. And it wasn't just like, let's say I, I, I am a, a regular cannabis user. Mm-hmm. I don't have a ritual going along with it uh, with respect to that is a gratitude towards having this drug in my life. But when it comes to psychedelics, there is a bit of preparation that goes along with it yes. to have the right mindset which again, I had to understand through the experience because I didn't read about these before. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry, this doesn't tie to cultural aspects yet. But these, these were things that just happened in the first trip that made me realize this, this is a medicine, okay, I'm gonna have this to help me, right. And after that initial thing, so I'll also give you a little bit more context to where I was in my life. So I was uh, until 21 years old I was in India I was living with my parents I went to a undergrad university which was close to my house so I was a day scholar and uh, I got a chance to do an internship and thereafter master's in Canada right and when I came to do master's uh, coming to Canada was a great awakening moment because I was able to see uh, people being interested in diverse backgrounds right in India growing up I didn't know I had more options than just engineering or doctor. Right. right. It was so stereotypical. And I, I did end up doing production engineering. And for my master's, I did mechanical engineering. But in my first year of my master's, I just realized this is not what I wanted to do. And three years later, I, it's amazing that I, I can say that I just wasted my time because it is a beautiful subject. If I was in a different edge space, I would have you know, done better work at it. But seeing people uh, do pursue different sorts of things made me realize right maybe after my masters, I'm gonna take some time to figure out right and but I the problem was I had one more year for masters and I also couldn't go back to India. like I just like the open-minded society of Canada and I wanted to do anything to stay here. and for that, I had to complete my masters. Yeah. so that part, the second year of my masters was very much. Uh, I knew I wanted to complete, but I didn't have the motivation. So it was very uh, depressing at that point. And once I graduated, I thought, oh, now, now that I'm done with master's, I'm just going to like have free time and I, I can figure it out. And it got even more depressing because now, at least when I was doing master's, I had this title. Oh, I'm a master's student. So I could tell people that I was doing master's. Then I graduated, I had nothing. So I couldn't tell stories to people. And I was living in a very... Uh, approval seeking mindset so I had to say something if people asked me and that felt very that hit me like what am I going to say to people when they asked me and I was doing um good jobs I was driving Uber and at the time I was given this idea that this is not what you're supposed to do you're you've got a chance to come do masters not many people do and why are you wasting it right it's not from a particular person it's just it's the these these I got in a very unspoken way, right? And now there was this four or five months after master's where it was depressing and then the psychedelics happened. So the amount of suffering that I had, it was very essential, really essential for me to understand that relatively the peace was within me. And from there on, even though I wasn't peaceful, I knew that the state Could be attained within me and then thereby i started making changes so i started talking to my parents which was the first initial thing that i do not want to work in engineering neither i want to i have no idea what i want to do but i'm fine with it i drive for uber and amazon and i do gig jobs whatever pops up and it it might not make me much money for savings but it keeps me going every day and one of the fundamental things that I started questioning was I wasn't too suicidal, but I always considered during the depressing period that why am I doing this? We wake up, we go to work, we bring in money to buy food and provide shelter for this night. And, you know, we wake up and do the same. So what's the point, right? What's the point was the one that was hugely missing. And psychedelic showed me that you don't have to do anything. In a in a very funny way, it's just a, like stop doing. For me, what it got to me was if you are not present while you are doing something, if you are not accepting the situation as it is, it's very disrespectful to the whole process. Things can be still completed, people can get impressed on the outside, but you are not going to be satisfied. So if I wanted to be a couch potato, I accepted it so graciously. So I would work three four days, and if I made more money during those peak hours, right? Uh, driving Uber, I would just not do anything for the week because I made it made enough money to take care of me, and I got a dog at the time, which was part of my awakening journey as well. And as um, I said, like it just gave me the confidence to convey these things to first people, my parents initially, because parents are very crucial because they shape your childhood and your subconsciously kind of looking for their approval and you know for their guidance even if outright you're dismissing them you're like still i want to make them happy right
1: yeah how did they take it when you told them that this you didn't want to do the thing that they probably stereotypically thought was what you should be doing
0: my mother didn't show much resistance she, she just said, uh, you just got this behavior from me. I also have no motivation to do much in life, right? Oh. And, yeah. <laughs> my dad <laughs> blamed my mom, which which was a sign of a patriarchal thing. Is it yeah. w- what son did you raise, uh, raise to be, right? And, mm. you know, my question was always, why do you say as if it's just, you know, your job was to have sex and then provide and then rest parenting is just done by one person? Of course not, right? Yeah. Uh, But at the same time, like my dad was also busy with his work. He was a complete workaholic, right? So he didn't have much time to take and be actually sad about where I am at life. So once in a while, we would have heated discussions. It wasn't too bad. It's just, he'd be completely, utterly disappointed, right? So those were barriers for me at that point, because I was taking it in. His disappointment, I would take it in and feel bad about it, rather than understanding that his disappointment is within him. And that is a way that he can change his whole idea around this expectations. Because that's one more thing psychedelics shows me. Like you literally cannot have disappointments if you don't have expectations, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and why do we have expectations? I mean, we didn't, didn't, like before we were born, we were not uh, signing a contract with God or something saying that these are the rules and terms and conditions for how I'm going to live my life. So I'm going to, you know, expect these things. Now, when we, let's say, um, I've been thinking, from how I work at my place. So we have a union and we sign these contracts and you know about these breaks and stuff. and you sign these things to expect certain things out of few, right? You show up at work early and you take these limited breaks and I understand. but with respect to life, we have none of those. And subconsciously we start getting this idea of this is how you sh- things should be, right? And especially as a kid, Growing up, I I always thought adults had it figured out. So my first, again, greater insight was no one has it figured out. We're all (laughs) trying to make up stuff as we go. So it was liberating. It was freeing because once you understand that no one knows any idea of what's going on, right? And because we are limited beings, we cannot know things at a global level for us our reality is very limited to our senses, even though technology might feel us make us feel connected and you know add this all this information to reach, we're still a five sense being which we should honor first, which 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 makes liberation much more easier. Right. Um again I I I this is my problem. I drift from that <laughs> So no, but, it's, uh, com- great. it's great. Coming back to my uh dad, it was the part where slowly I understood that I cannot make him happy. There is literally nothing I can do. Because I've seen people, um, let's say they get married to make their parents happy. The moment it's done, yeah, for maybe six months or a year, it's good. And then it's like one of the things that goes by in India, at least what I've seen in movies and heard is um, we're not doing anything. Like you can, you know, make a kid, we can take care of it. Like it, we can take care of it. (laughs) Right? but that that's the funny part those perceptions changed for me heavily and it wasn't i'm not going to do stuff so that you're not you're less bored with life right again it's mostly building this confidence to convey what you really want and we, we i i definitely believe we all have the same particular uh, search for happiness within us so everyone if they just felt this is what it's going to be and if they convey it without hurting another person, it makes things much easier. And I've noticed, for example, even my hair, I I tried to grow it out in India, but there was a, a constant ridicule in the sense that just strangers would ask me, when am I gonna get my hair cut? And that <laughs> used to bother me. I used to sit and think for two days, what am I doing? Like, am I right? And after cyclics, I I was free in growing it. And it became kind of like a reminder for me that these could be symbols, like just like how people have meditation beats or uh, certain things to remind them, oh yeah, I need to watch my breath. I need to meditate. I need to say this mantra to keep my remember, right? Uh, This became this part where um, this is how I'm going to be. I'm going to be accepting of myself as natural as I can and and what happened was beautiful over the course of two years, because the more uh, people started to see me consistently like this, I do not think anyone have has any idea of like, when am I going to get at it? Because that's completely eradicated from their mind because they're used to it. And what I learned from that is, we just have to tell people the truth and give them space to process it. They will mm-hmm. process it. That's the trust part. Like. Just give them space, give them honesty. And if you're trying to make our parents happy by doing stuff that we don't want, it's again a disrespect, right? Mm. No one is going to be happy at the end of the day because we all know we are connected at a energy level deeper down that our state of mind at the deeper level affects other people. And it's not what we portray on the shallow level. I could have a very sober face, or I could have a very smiling face, but doesn't convey that if I'm actually happy or not. And uh,
1: yeah. It's amazing. I love how you tell these, um, like how you comment on things. It's really, you have a piece about yourself. The hair thing really resonated with me is like, I did not look like this for a very long time. Like this is like a five years ago thing. Yeah. And after my psychedelic trip, it was like part of that whole thing. Like, this is how I want to look. This is how I want. This is how I feel natural for me. Yeah. And whatever people think of it doesn't matter. It's just what how I feel like this is the presence. I want to be out there for that. Yes. And, and I felt free to do that. And I wasn't worried about the judgment about yes. it. I was like, this yeah. is just how I want to present myself. Like, and so I let people process that over time, right? <laughs> yes.
0: And you see more often than not, we we, we we are just worried about change. We are not worried about what changes are happening. We are worried about any particular change. If someone some, says something erratically, and it's like, oh, wow, why are you doing this? But if they do it consistently, oh yeah, it's just him. <laughs> he, he's just like that, right? And what happens? We just need that space to process that change is happening. And once they started meditating, um, you know, intellectually understanding what it was about and how to perceive these whole things. And in in Buddhism, what the one constant thing is the law of impermanence. So everything is changing and our problems are because we're trying to not hold on to things that is changing. Of course, it's gonna change. Let's say a particular relationship or particular position, anything is gonna change. And right. we understand that intellectually meditation is a practice to experientially understand that change is the only truth, right? And uh,
1: yeah. It's amazing. So how did, um, how did your psychedelic journeys influence your, or your ideas about a partnership with someone, a like romantic partnership with another person?
0: It definitely, I, I would definitely say that psychedelics help both me and my partner at levels I cannot comprehend that I actually needed help to understand what the relationship is for. Ooh. Because again, growing up, she, okay, I, let me just, uh, instead of growing up, this is the first thing I did after uh, my initial psychedelic trip. Um, at the time I was in a relationship with a girl, I did break up not in a courageous way. It was more of a blunt manner. And I wasn't feeling too bad about it because I was not interested because there was things that I needed at that point. I'm sorry that I could have done things better, but it was essential that I needed that space to process where I am at, what I actually wanted. So when I went to India that time, uh, this was in 2019, uh, I was just thinking that I'm gonna be alone because relationships were not a necessity, right? So when I conveyed this, most responses I got was, but what are you gonna do when you're old age? You need to have a partner who's gonna take care of you if something happens, that's that's what life is about, right? What are you gonna do in old age? And one of the things in India that I picked up was, we have kids as an insurance policy, as a retirement plan, right? I'm going to have this, I'm going to take care of you so that you can take care of me when I'm old. I understand these things existing and it could be a harmonious. It's just, I'm not interested in that viewpoint of life, right? So I understood people's idea of relationship and that was also present within me that relationship was again, was something that I was going to take off out of the list of steps that I do to show people that I'm happy. right? That's why the consistent search is there. if you asked me right now, if I broke up with my partner right now, I, I don't know if I will be able to date again, because so many aspects has changed. There is no chasing. There is no looking out. Things can harmoniously happen, but initially in our ignorant self, we, we kind of, uh, chase things based on how our ideas are formed when we are young. Right. And. I think over the course of um, last three years with my relationship, I've just explored that it should be so freeing, right? Whatever is mentioned. I used to read uh, uh, the Zen art, Zen Buddhism idea on detached love, right? I didn't understand it, but we're taking psychedelics with the partner and giving that space and you understand that it's just love is about creating the space where they can be themselves, right? And you, you have no inch of expectations with respect to that you shouldn't, right? When it comes to a relationship, as much as it can seem really hard, but the more we keep dropping the expectation, it becomes more purer and you purify the relationship and it gets better.
1: Wonderful, man. I, again, you have a way about explaining it. I think, it, it. to me, it's also funny. Whenever I talk to someone who's had very significant psychedelic journeys, this is how they talk. It's a very peaceful, very straightforward um, communication. And they have a piece about them that is beautiful. I want that piece so badly for so many people. You know, it's like, and I think that's what... Um, Everybody that's in this space or is an enthusiast for the space wants to genuinely see other people experience that peacefulness and that clarity about their life for them. 100%. Right? Just to yes. like talk. Everybody's on this same frequency that I talk to. <laughs> it's hilarious, actually. <laughs> yes,
0: And yes, you've been connecting with a lot of people on the cyclic space recently, at least what I've seen. And yes. it's so true. It's it's the part, like when I think about why do I want to do podcasts, Right. Why did I uh, share my story with Randall? It's about getting this thing out there so that someone who's in the same ed space as me three years back gives it a chance, because I cannot envision my life without psychedelics now. Like that, that was same. very important. It's crucial. As much as I was born the first time for me to have this experience, I was just sleeping, right? Mm. I'm, I'm still sleeping on most aspects but i'm aware of that i'm sleeping right so mm. it's at least there is a chance to slowly wake up to reality but psychedelics played this huge role in giving this rebirth
1: yes i i totally agree with that i think it's um it's an edu- it's an educational experience about living and existence um 100%. and i think that's why it for me it's it's, it's a very long term experience. It's like every aspect of my life, different stages of my life, I have these journeys to help teach me about my existence further. Uh, it's information. It's so beautiful. And beautiful. And I think that's, I again, I want that for people. And I think the biggest mistake in this space that people make is keeping their experiences to themselves and not talking about it. It's like a scientist discovering something and keeping it to themselves, right? And like you have this great thing you discovered or you write this amazing article and you only talk to people that are in this tiny group about it. And I think it's critical for me. I think I wanna talk to as many people as possible about it. I want them to talk to me, get this out there. Let's destigmatize the expectation that because a lot of the stigma around psychedelics is an expectation someone said about it in the past these are bad these will make you jump out a window these are just things people made an expectation or they they socialize you into these ideas about it yes the only way to break that is you have to get out there and talk about it you have to say hey here's my experience here's how i'm feeling and even that just seeing you feeling your presence people go there's something different happening here this person seems like they're really peaceful People want peacefulness. They just don't feel like they know how to do it, how to get there. This is a vehicle for that, you know? It
0: definitely is. It is a great tool for that. And uh, with respect to, yes, some people will definitely perceive the absolute peaceness which people can carry. But people who genuinely see you relatively make changes. For example, three years back, I had no confidence in public speaking or I wouldn't be able to speak to people, right? I, I had to do presentations and I would stand behind this podium and my whole legs would be shivering, right? I'm, I'm nervous. I'm extremely nervous. And what was the fundamental problem? in that was, it's just that complete lack of self-confidence. And the thing is that the person who I'm talking to knows better than me. So what I have Got to say this, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be true or false, but this particular idea in our head stops us from conveying our perceptions of life. And one more thing, what psychedelics did was I understood that there was no absolute truth to any of the things, we just have perception. As long as we are in this limited reality in this body, all we will have is perceptions and opinions. And the more people, speak out their perceptions, the more harmonious things will be rather than otherwise, right? So, and after that, I just got, it just became, you don't get confidence. You just understand that there was nothing to be not confident about. Mm. People, you know, it's like this question. If you ask uh, me, what do you think of your hair? And if I say, no, I don't think it's, Good, right? Like I think you shouldn't have this whatever coloring you've done. And if you say, um no, you're wrong to think that. And it's it's funny, I'm just giving you a weird example because you are your question was framed in a way that what do you think? So I was being honest in what I think, right? Because once we get that out, we can agree to disagree and, and the golden thread goes on. We can continue the conversation and sarmon you don't carry stuff, you don't say and we stop playing nice and we actually become nice. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I used to put in a lot of effort to try to be nice. I have to be pleasing. You know, the pleasing attribute is not something that we should fake. It is our natural state. You know, same as compassion is our natural states in case of something major that's happening, you know, in your neighborhood, like someone is, you you try to, you forget all your concepts. You kind of help them first, right? Yeah. And that's our natural state. And I think Psychedelics helps us see that it removes all the barriers, right? At least for me, that happened in 150 MCG and my 300 was another big breakthrough, you know, kind of removed everything. And sometimes it can be frightening because we tend to hold on to the concepts, right? And um, I don't want to say much from <laughs> maybe you're going to speak to my partner next week, but <laughs> she's planning to write this uh, book of how to navigate bad trips, because we have been trying to uh, take this drug under different uh, settings, right? And we tend to see the result is always kind of similar. The message is kind of be here now, and yeah. more times problem happens when we try to resist what an experience is happening, right? So with higher doses of LSD, this sometimes this resistance stops. And you see that there is no problem apart from our resistance to that uh, particular situation. And uh, it, it is true that, again, uh, this reminds me of Ramdas course. Suffering mm-hmm. is nothing but resistance to an unpleasant situation, right? And I would have read this three years back with no idea. It, doesn't, <laughs> it just goes over my head, right? But experientially, you do it. And it's very essential to read a lot of texts, even though if you don't understand, right? You have these things in your head once you experientially do it by yourself, and you're like, ah, this is what he said, and it just seeps through you, right? So the next time you're trying to react to the situation, you're not doing it the conventional way. That is small, small changes, right? And and one of the things they say in meditation is that you know you're not gonna give up anger in one day, but what's gonna happen is that you're you're gonna be caught up in it less and less time. The more you practice, right? Whatever I was holding for. To two days before, right? I, I might hold it for maybe 30 minutes now, yeah. which is great because I get one and a almost two days back to my life where I can be present with other things. Right. And one funny thing is we we haven't talked about I, I felt like before my psychedelics, maybe because of my lack of intent or lack of not knowing, I felt like I never had a conversation with people who genuinely asked, are you happy? Mm. Is this what you want to be in life, right? Rather, it was like we we are given this idea that something is missing, right? And what psychedelics did for me was nothing was missing. Nothing was missing. Everything is beautiful, right? And Alan Watts quote I get reminded of very often is like, the gift of life is so beautiful, so magical, and so big that we, our ego thinks we need to do something to achieve happiness. Just the being of it is enough, right? And the presence of just being, just existing happens in the Yeah,
1: that's really beautiful. I, I would extend on that too. Like it made me look at conflict a lot differently. Whereas I think kind of the normal thing about conflict is avoidance of conflict. And it's like, I don't want to deal with this, you know, but I will always like run towards it now. If there's like something I'm like, you know what, because this is going to confirm something for me, I'm going to look at this in a positive way. So if I have a discussion or a disagreement, I go, okay, what's the positive element to this conflict? Well, it taught me that I either want to move closer to this thing or I want to move further away from it. Like instead of going, I just don't want to deal with this. Like it's a teaching moment. It's a it's jet fuel for me for something else, a confirmation one way or another. And I was actually trying to teach this to my daughter last night, this concept. And she goes, this doesn't make sense to me. I was like, of course it doesn't make sense to you because this is how the world operates, generally speaking. But this is, to me, a higher form of intellectualism, is yeah. to flip something that is perceived as so horrible and wrong and to find a very positive mechanism inside it for confirmation for something. That they this. hey, if I'm having all this conflict in this situation, to really realize the positive thing is that this probably isn't for me. You know, it's <laughs> like versus constantly I, being pulled back into it you know
0: yeah and it I, I kind of brings back to again how we kind of resist change right you know yeah. uh, i saw this term recently the fear of finding out
1: organizations
0: mm. have it because they don't want to find out what the problem is because change is needed right We're we are again afraid of change that's all it's it's so funny change is the only truth right it couldn't be overstated it Mm. is consistently things are just changing it's in constant flux of just motion right and when we think about conflicts right we have to make changes either let's say you know we have to talk about something in a relationship it's like oh this might lead to let's say breakup or more fight or more this or more that or uh, maybe i have to make changes to my life if she does convince me that i am in the wrong and so on and on but essentially when as you say, when we confront it head-on and you see, and it's it's about taking one step at a time, yeah. right? It how how small can you break that particular thing and how much can you be present there and yes. you see uh, that there is no problem apart from just being there and you know having conversations like and a lot um I think happens because when we are we, we, we tend to think human beings are self-aware, uh, but I don't think we are self-aware. We we have the ability to be self-aware, right? So that has to be awakened, right? That's um, I kind of see the baptism that's happening in uh, churches very significant to this. That is a traditional, kind of similar concept in a cult of a religion that I was born into, right? So, you know, they put this thread around your body and they teach you a mantra and so on, but these were to start practicing it uh, to remember, to awaken, to be actually awaken. self-aware, right? Yeah. But until then, because when I ask what I was doing until my uh, age of 23, uh, before my first cycle experience, all I can think about was. There was no me that I would call me. It was just a bunch of reactive patterns, a fearful kid, you know, growing up in this particular situations, learning this particular set of things from people. And you know, in Indian education system, it's also the concept is you you there is no uh, critical thinking, at least not where I studied. It's more you study, you write the answers, and you know, you don't learn stuff. You know stuff.
1: (laughs) You know stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So and. One of the funny things that age of information that has changed is that we really don't need to know stuff. Like I don't re- need to remember stuff. Like I could just, uh, you know, if I were giving you some things about data, right? Let's like say um, there was this thing that happened in 1754 calendar change and so on. I don't have to be precise that this happened at a particular month and so on. I can Google and find out. But what essentially gets me to communicate this has happened through and learning of an experience, right? And we, I I felt like I essentially missed that aspect of, I never learned anything. (laughs) I just went through life like, uh, I was like a wall. You know, you throw a ball, you can predict the (laughs) physics of it. Like you can literally predict the physics. Like you throw the ball at this particular angle, it's going to come this way. If I bounce it and throw, it's going to come straight to me. And you become predictable. And it doesn't have to be a bad thing, but at an individual level, you just feel complete lack of freedom, right? You know you're not in an actual prison you're you have the freedom to do things, but you you don't have any motivation to do stuff. I yeah. didn't have any bit of motivation to do anything in life. now I would say i would I'm the same, but I'm happy about it right <laughs> so, that did change
1: I love that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. How about I'm happy about it now? <laughs> like, yeah, you just gotta be, yes. I, I
0: I truly believe whatever the truth that every religion talks about, uh, I I just add that as my core thing. Do not do something to someone that you do not want to be done to yourself. Yeah. And and that helps me. That's the only thing I do. And that's the only thing. I and I'm after that, I'm free to almost be whatever I want. Because I I did grow up in a way thanks to how I was raised or the society I was in, like I didn't have intentions to, you know, morally do something wrong, but it was prisoning for some other reasons, concepts and stuff. But now those are gone. Now it's so clear. Like when, when we stop reacting so much, like when you stop being that wall, right. When we stop reacting, our subconscious frees up, right. This is what I perceive from meditation that, when we are not aware, our body is still functioning. The same way the heart is beating, the stomach is digesting. Our brain is functioning. Oh, I touch fire, I take my hand. If someone yeah. says some insult, I'm going to swear back at them. I want to have word, Or otherwise, I'm going to go and keep thinking and come up with a very smart answer and so on. But once you turn, when you have self-awareness, once you turn to your own self and say to the subconscious that, I'm here, you don't need to, you know, do so much of reactive pattern. And I feel that frees up the space in our consciousness. The subconscious becomes conscious now. So you have more room, more space. And and I I can see when you said that you go into conflicts now, that's just that you have the space in the consciousness to think, Oh, I am actually peaceful. I can head to this.
1: I can handle it. Yeah.
0: You can handle it, but we need to create that space in our head. This is happening in a dimension that we don't physically perceive right Right. we don't feel like we have the space i i felt so freer by the day and the 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 funny thing is that the better you get at an instrument right the more new you get the more you start learning it's it's the paradoxical nature of almost all things and yes the more you free yourself in your head you also find out the subtler things you need to stop reacting to so you become even more freer
1: yeah, I, be- I think so. I mean, I think that encapsulates it. As we kind of wrap up here, what do you see the future of your experiences with psychedelics? How do you feel like you're going to keep incorporating psychedelics into your life as you move on in your life?
0: Uh, in, in what sense? Like with respect to my personal practice? Or yeah, your
1: personal practice. How do, you, how do you feel that psychedelics is going to play an important role in your life as you continue to age?
0: I think psychedelics, uh, again, this brings me back to Alan Watts. I think if you receive the message, hang up the phone. So <laughs> the message was quite clear and it has been clear again and again. And the message was simple. Just be here now. There is literally nothing else we can do. Like you just have to be here. So that led me to meditation. So I've started incorporating meditation to my daily practices. And I believe that will be the essential tool that I'll need to transcend my mind. So psychedelics as much as it can be the thing that you know opens the door and shows you peace lies within you, it cannot get you there. Mm. It can show you that, but you need to do changes every single day, right? Yeah. And the more we start doing changes, the more aware we become, the more we can start doing changes. It's It's just the loop that we form. Right. same same the other way it can happen right once we react a little bit that leads to more reaction yeah so the more once we lead start with a bit of presence that leads to more presence and mm. not to say that psychedelics are out of my life it's still a very essential thing it just um as the changes are happening in my day-to-day life and then when there is a trip of uh, like a let's say 200 mcg which is takes you away from your concepts i kind of tend to see what changes have happened right because in my small smaller perspective everyday life i cannot say these changes yeah these changes are so small but it gives me the bigger picture of okay this is what it is these are things that i can change about and uh, yeah and also just pink floyd and psychedelics are something that i don't think i grow older i'll i'll be hooked <laughs> on to that
1: <laughs> yes man i love this you have such a way of speaking ranga i really appreciate it and uh i think you sharing this is going to be very powerful for a lot of people so how can people contact you if they want to learn a little bit more about what you're up to or just hear more of you
0: yeah i um i'm i'm there on linkedin like i browse it every day so i'm up for chats connections anything. Do I have another podcast with George Monty from true life? We do have interesting conversations about almost the same thing. And it's, it's nice to get this out there because as I say, I can not repeat it enough that giving this conversation out there to a person who might be in the similar headspace as I was, because I needed that for what what books for me at that point, Alan, Watts, Ram Das Eckhart Tolle, these people were crucial to, you know, give me that space to stay on this path because I know many people have taken psychedelics who have went back to conventional way, saying that it's just an hallucinogen. So it's not the truth, right? Mm. Truth is about here. It's about this concept. It's about getting married, having kids. I'm not saying again, I'm not against it. It just doesn't have to be the way of life for everyone. And if right. someone realizes that I don't feel like I want to do this, right? And this conversation can give them space to, process themselves yes. you know um the, i found this other thing which i would like to say before we and uh, the the doctor's job uh is to keep the patient um, uh, entertained or be happy while the medicine does its work right same same with psychedelics we we just create the space same with any kind of conversation the work happens by the individual themselves what we, we essentially do for people as all it comes back to relationships as well just give the space to people for them to express who they truly are
1: yes i love man i love that thank you so much for your time ranga yeah. seriously you're such a seem like such a wonderful person and uh, i can't wait to talk to your partner too yeah too. i think it's gonna yeah, be very to as well. too <laughs> you gotta yeah. listen to it when it comes out
0: yes definitely
1: thank you so much man i'll be in touch with you okay